Hey kiddos, Newsy's Nook is listened to all over the world, and I want to tell you about a little shop down under. My ABDL Supplies is a Sydney-based supplier for the Australian age play community. They've got everything, from onesies and passies for nap time, to shibari rope and paddles for playtime, to automatic savings on any four-pack of diapers. My ABDL Supplies has a great inventory for any kinky Aussie. Trusted for the last seven years by littles and bigs all over Australia and New Zealand, My ABDL Supplies always ships discreetly. Just for New Zealand listeners, My ABDL Supplies is giving 5% off your next order. Just use promo code NEWSYBABY. So try My ABDL Supplies, your one-stop ABDL shop. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsy's Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to want my pants. I'm your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsy's Nook, how do you know you're in little space? This week in Newsies News, Casey Strom, president of AB Universe, has released a statement after his company laid off a number of employees. Casey said the layoffs were due to a restructuring of the business after a, quote, myriad of causes. One of the causes being keeping prices at a, quote, unsustainable level. Casey said he kept prices low, hoping that pandemic-induced shipping cost increases would have resolved quickly. Casey pointed out some personal situations, too, that have made life at home, quote, tough. Casey says AB will be taking a break from going to events, including this upcoming Capcom. Casey hopes AB will come out of this stronger. Also in Newsies News, it appears Ageplay Inc. has deleted its website and social media accounts. You may remember Ageplay Inc. has been on the show to talk about the event Indie Dreamworld in Indianapolis. Back in January, Ageplay Inc. announced Indie Dreamworld 2024 was going to move from Indianapolis to Austin, Texas, due to a, quote, unexpected change to the host hotel. This announcement received strong reactions from both ticket holders and vendors. No word yet on refunds. This week in Easy's Nook, if someone asked you, how do you know you're in a headspace, what evidence could you provide them? Would you describe an emotion... A feeling, maybe a physical reaction, like your eyes rolling in the back of your head? This week, I bring on Rockstar Daddy and researcher Dr. Ethan to talk about his upcoming Capcom presentation, Finding Little Space, Advancing the Knowledge on ABDL. In his presentation, he showcases research on ABDLs and presents some of the research he is working on himself. I, I feel almost a responsibility, a moral obligation to do this work because I have the credentials the status, the position, the resources, and all that to actually carry it out. And I'm out enough. I like everybody in my life knows about my ABDL experience. So any other person would have to be juggling that with their professional life and trying to make sense of it if they were to even do this research. And uh, I felt like a moral obligation to do it because I'm like the only one in a position to do it at this moment. Because as you were saying, there's not a lot of research that's done through it and not a lot of research done by ABDLs for ABDLs, right? Exactly. And the other issue is that the research that is out there 
is consistently pushing this agenda that this is something pathological. There is definitely still recent research emerging, like in Poland and Turkey, that says like the perversion of infantilism and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, it's not even in the diagnostics and statistical manual anymore. Why are you calling it a perversion? Get with the times. How do we change that narrative? If we if we took if we took the route of of uh, of research and, and everything, how do we change the narrative of ABDL through research? Well, I'm going to be very challenging here and say this is not just about research. I think everybody starts needs to start being more open and disclosing this experience to other people as if it's human. Like I'm using my first name and my title and who I am, and that's not hidden. I think more people need to, not everybody can, not everybody will, but I think it's really important when and can, when, when and we can to be as forthright and frank about this experience as possible because nobody's going to understand what it is if we continue to live in the shadows. And so that has nothing to do with research really, but in the research domain, I mean, it's the same thing with the LGBT movement many, many eons ago, you know, we had to have that mass effort of coming out in order to change how people thought about us in our personal lives and in our work, in our research. Uh, ACT UP played a big role in changing how we perceived HIV-related research, but also identity-related research around uh, LGBT people. And I think that that's pretty important. That's a whole other conversation. No, it's kind of related because one of the one of the tweets that you recently brought uh, tweeted was that the re the research you're doing in the presentation that you gave was highlighting the ABDL community as a particularly good use case that can inform strategies for other minority and hidden populations such as the mm -hmm. LGBTQ population. Um, mm -hmm. How do we do that though? Let's go into let's go into it deeper. A phrase that you used in your presentation that is too big for my baby brain, epidemiological narrative mapping. What is that and how could it be used to change the narrative? Okay, well, epidemiological narrative mapping is something I built. I've been working on it for the last two years. It's um it is it basically is a tool for visualizing how people make meaning of ideas and plotting it on a geographic, intergraphic, interactive geographic map. And the purpose of it is to take verbatim the words that people attribute to an idea, like, how do you know you're in little space? So we got all these statements from people telling us how they knew they were in little space. What we would do in epidemiological narrative mapping is take those statements and plot them on a geographic map saying like, oh, in New York, these are the things that are most important to identifying little space. But in California, down in Southern California, we know that creativity and imagination are the most important indicators of little space. And that's different from New York. And we can compare that statistically uh, because the math that makes the stuff work uh, is comparable statistically. So it's a visualization tool that enables people with lived experience of something we're interested in studying to communicate directly with people who otherwise wouldn't even have a conversation with them. 
I also feel like it highlights the fact that everyone experiences this kink differently, right? Oh. Yeah, how everyone may all enjoy diapers, but we all experience it differently. Could could this mapping also justify that on how ABDL is just not ABDL? It's it's kind of something that is an overarching umbrella, but it's so individual. Like be like being in the LGBTQ community, right? It's not yes. like, oh, I'm LGBTQ. Right. It's that's you just the umbrella. Me. Right. You yeah, must yeah. know me. It's a, it's an umbrella that could highlight the differences between all of us. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I definitely would use it in that manner. It's just such a good point. It's I mean, but the, the whole idea, though, is that representing these ideas regionally and trying to see if there's any reason regional change in uh, attitudes or ideas or thinking uh, based on like, geography. But you're, it's a very good point that is not lost that ABDL people developmentally experience this so differently, but also in day-to-day -day life, they experience it so differently. For some people, it's erotic. For some people, it's not erotic, you know, or it's sexual, but it's, there's no sex involved for others. Um, you know, it, it, it's just very, very different. And that's why the term ABDL is I mean, the best word we could do for now, but I'm hoping for something better. Yeah, well, let's let's go into the research a little more. I think one thing that I want to hit on is I call it a roadmap. You can correct me if it's not a roadmap or the math equation is through through the research. You, you kind of had this to me. It was like a math occasion, masochism, catharsis, euphoria, erotic intimacy, mm -hmm. almost like this roadmap of how, how we experience. First, for all of those babies out there that doesn't know, what is masochism? Masochism, masochism is, is basically taking pleasure in some kind of self-harm or harm that is directed at you. And it's meant to be very psychoanalytic term. Uh, it's meant to be very subconscious. It's not like people say to themselves, I want to hurt myself. I really like getting hurt, although some may. It's usually just this impulse deep down inside that we have to experience pain, and it is rewarding somehow from feeling that, that pain. And humiliation is a very specific kind of self-harm. Well, seeking it out actively is a very specific kind of self-harm. The way that I try to articulate it for the purposes of this research stuff is that humiliation in this context is like we're taking away all your adult rights to be a baby you, you, we're gonna make you act like a baby because we're taking away your this thing that you've been socialized to do your entire life we trained you your whole life to be making pee pee and poopy on the toilet and we trained you your whole life to be an independent agent in your everyday life. So you make your decisions, you're an active agent, you're financially independent, all these things. We're taking all that away now. Now you're a baby officially. So uh, that is to actively seek that out. That is an act of self-harm and masochism because you're taking away like all the things that you make you adult. Uh, it's a stripping away of something. So in that sense, it is certainly masochistic act. Uh, that's what I mean when I talk about masochism, though. It's not like some secret, like you get the belt on your butt or whatever. <laughs> is it top to bottom? Could like, 
because as you were describing that, I was almost thinking like, could even the form of putting on a diaper to some be a form of masochism? Absolutely, because of what it represents. It's such a symbolic act. And also, I mean, the, the diaper has so many more associations, though, for right. every person, because we all had to wear them at some point. And uh, there's like a safety and security that's also built into it that I think, and I think it may be a transitional object in terms of attachment. Yes. All right. So we have the masochism part, but then the next yeah. step in that is we go into catharsis. Mm -hmm. What is it? What does that mean? Masochism. So catharsis is just the term. It's, I guess, another psychoanalytic term where, I guess, in a, the most Freudian traditional sense, catharsis is like the really good feeling that you get when you've cried. And like you let go of all that emotion that was pent up. That's catharsis. And so the masochistic self-act in this little data set that we collected, I interpreted that the second level of activity that people were describing in response to that focus prompt we talked about, uh, the second level of activity was catharsis, that people were describing that... Oh, their the brain kind of zones out and they lose touch with the world and everything can become static in a zen-like way. Uh, that is, that's like a euphoric dimension of catharsis. Catharsis is like the, the actual release of all the pent-up stuff. And then the euphoria that follows would be the, like, I'm in this zen-like state and I get more creative. Yeah. Right. So, so in this, in this journey of how do I know I'm in little space, we first have the masochism yeah. part, right? Like the putting on the diaper, the, the, uh -huh. maybe the humiliation part of, of letting go into your diaper, not having control. And then you have the catharsis part. Right. And then you have the catharsis part and the euphoric part, right? You you, we were kind of talking before this interview of how like the eyes roll back, you kind of get like <laughs> the mumbly phrases in it. And then the the next level that you brought into this equation was the erotic part, right? We have the catharsis euphoric, and then we get into the erotic. Yeah, I have a question for you in that sense. So okay. I love to think about ABDL as universally erotic, but not necessarily sexual. And I don't know that everybody sees it that way. And by erotic, I mean that there's feelings and sensations and experiences about ABL that are everyone has to feel there's some kind of like arousal physiologically when you do it. That I call erotic, but it is not necessarily sexual. Like you don't necessarily want to pull down a diaper and give someone a blowjob. It's not like that. But what do you think? Do you think it is primarily erotic, but not sexual? Or is it not erotic for some people at all? You know what, through all the interviews I've had, all of my experiences, what I love about this little equation and the use of the word erotic is mm -hmm. I could, you could almost, to me, and this is me, you can make the, you can make the argument that in this context, erotic could be the same way you feel of when you go to a nice restaurant and you eat a good meal and there's this erotic feeling right you're aroused your senses are aroused from wow. this experience and so what i liked about this equation and kind of thinking and thinking about how like how do you justify when you know you're in little space and even bigger picture how do you how do you think about being abdl i like this whole little like roadmap of putting on the diaper the catharsis of it the euphoria of it and then the arousal state 
and by mm-hmm. arousal, kind of what we were talking about, because it is justifiable to say that not everyone experiences this sexually, right? For I some people, it's yeah. it's a comfort. But I think you can make the argument that as ABDLs, there is this a erotic feeling, this arousal feeling. Yeah. Doing the act of ABDL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, that's what we need a better term for is the whatever that thing is that you're talking about, because it's not, it's erotic for me and I'm a daddy, but I feel like, and it's not sexual at all, but I feel like it's, uh, I'm not sure what it is. It's just this sort of like. It's arousal team. state. It, yeah. It, it's, arousal. It's, a, it's a dynamic state. You've, right. You've now, you, it's a state of, before you put on the diaper, right before you did the masochism part, it's different. There's a dynamic shift in your in your in your state, and so it's arousal, it's erotic, and mm-hmm. so from there, after that, we get intimacy. What do you mean by that? Okay, well, the intimacy part is literally because, um, well, it just it, it emerged in the the responses that we got. Maybe people said, "I feel closer to my daddy," um, but. Also, in the data that I pulled from some of the other old guard researchers who had done research from the lens that this is a pathology, uh, they some of the data that they included in the reporting suggested that there was an intimacy that emerged between the two parties, if there was two parties. Um, like the in the the Sue and Bailey article from 2023 that I referenced. Uh, Often in that uh, presentation, there was a, a statement made by a heterosexual person about what it was like to, you know, be treated like a baby by his girlfriend. And then afterwards, how even though it was a, a, a sort of self-enacted humiliation, he grew and his girlfriend grew closer together as a result. And that is something I think is very common based on my observations and also in other the data sets people were saying so in the data that we collected it was about daddy but i think it's possible that that might even happen in a projective sense when there's not a second party to the event i think that that may happen like you're putting yourself in a certain role just by wearing the diaper and engaging these activities and there's in your head still subconsciously there's always someone there who is like owning you in that right and it also kind of made me think as you were describing that that if you if you kind of took this equation as just like an individual uh experience Mm -hmm. right like let's just say it's me at home alone right i put Mm -hmm. on the diaper i have the catharsis the euphoric feeling the arousal state Mm -hmm. the intimacy state i would make the argument of is I now want to, I now want a like-minded person to experience this with, right? We're wow. always looking for a community. And I almost feel like that's where the community portion of this, I'll call it an equation again. Uh, right, right. It's, it's now that, now that you've had this arousal state, what, mm-hmm. what do you immediately want? You go on Twitter, you go, uh, <laughs> for those that are sexual, it's the porn, um, yeah. when you, it's, it's the reason why people go to conventions. It's the reason why people go to munches. It's the reason why people seek community, right? It's that, it's that intimacy that we're like, oh, I experienced this arousal state. I want to experience it with someone else. Or I want to know that I'm not alone. Well, see, from my POV, it is like, I want you all want daddies. All gay, ABDLs, you should want a daddy. This should be like, 
top priority in your life because of this. There's so, not enough uh, of you. <laughs> There's a, it's like, it's the, it's the issue of the, of the, of the gay community. Too many bottoms, not enough tops. Uh, well, I, I you know one of my items on my agenda when I become governor of this good state is to, uh, I got to make a daddy institute, daddy training institute. Daddy, I'd, I'd love a daddy training institute. It'd be helpful, <laughs> especially for those that like don't know how to do it. Or from for or for a few of us that are like, all right, so I have a boy, but I don't know what to do next. I've acquired I have acquired said boy, but now I don't know what to do. I'm gonna make it up as I go. <laughs> I love that it this little equation. I feel like for some makes it makes it easier to digest the ABDL experience, right? Mm-hmm. If if someone if someone was getting into this community and they didn't have the years of experience, or if they didn't have a friend or an online companion to help process this. This equation seems like a really easy way for those that are new to kind of process like, oh, I understand it. Yes, there is a form of of humiliation to it, right? Because you hear that a lot from ABDLs of like, oh, like, I feel disgusted sometimes when I do this, or I feel shame, or I feel shame from it. And it's and it's almost like from this equation and using these and using these big boy terms like masochism, uh, you kind of are able to justify all this in your head and kind of come to terms like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is like it's going from A to B to C to D. Yeah. Well, let me be clear. You know, it, it wasn't my the masochism is not like my interpretation personally. I saw that. Sue and Bailey, that public that publication from 2023, they talked about masoch- seeing masochism emerging in their data. And I'm like, yes, this is on to something. And that's how I interpreted my data set, because I'm like, this has got to be what's going on here. And this also looks like what's going on in all these data sets that people did not report on because they were too preoccupied with the the whole thing being an illness to really look at why people do this and understand it. Uh, that's where I got the idea and I sort of ran with it. Yeah. yeah. And really point and a really quick point. It kind of shows a, a point that you made in your presentation, why we need more ABDLs researching mm-hmm. ABDLs. So we can have that insight to be like, no, that's a data point that we need to include. That's not just, that's not just a weird thing that that person's doing. Like this is something that we can actually like look into. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, now I'm going to wax a little personal, but I, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was in the data set from one of the dissertations, uh, someone was talking about punishment as the root source, the origin story for their diaper fetish. And I was like, Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That happened to me. My coach threatened to, forced me to wear diapers in class, gym class. And that was sort of like where it all emerged from because ever after I was obsessed with diapers. And I'm like, I didn't know that was common. And it doesn't mean that it's common because one person said it, but that it even exists in that state in a piece of, in some document that someone wrote. It's so, it's, it's the opposite of alienating. It makes me feel like I'm being understood that this data exists. And yet they would never, ever notice that piece of information. They just like tally it up and put it out there because they're looking at it from a very weird lens. So. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's almost like how it, I love that I love that we're kind of comp- or there's a few times where it could be said that we're comparing LGBTQ as a hidden community and ABDL as a hidden community, and how if someone asked, well, why are you ABDL? It's almost like the equivalent of like, well, why are you gay? Right? Like there, there's exactly. no way to explain it. It's just there. <laughs> who cares? It's not a good question because it doesn't matter. The important thing is who are we and you know, what are our lives like? What are our experiences like? How do we make them better? We don't ask gay people why you're gay anymore. We don't ask trans people why they're trans anymore. I mean, but we were obsessed with those questions like 10, 15 years ago. Right. We should just stop asking people. We sh- people not in this community need to just stop asking, why are you into this? Yeah. It's a long story and I can't tell you. <laughs> we don't have the time. <laughs> uh, one thing in your presentation I want to go into is um, what could an ABDL learn about themselves if they understood their relationship and attachment styles? What are these relationship styles? What are these attachment styles and how could they learn from them? If you understand that you have an insecure attachment style, which I believe is the, I don't, this is not my wheelhouse, but I think insecure attachment refers to all the different negative attachment styles that are not perfect or whatever. If you understand that you have an imperfect attachment style, like not a, it wasn't like a healthy, wholesome engagement with your mother or your caregiver, whoever that was when you were younger, uh, it was like disjointed or fraught with anxiety, whatever it was, these things will definitely help you like understanding that will definitely help you understand who's the best partner to be with because you know if you are yourself having ambivalent or anxious or avoidant attachment styles the insecure styles you probably want to be with someone with a more well integrated attachment style i think that that's right well the two that you kind of brought up that i'll I'll read from your presentation is right you brought up Anxious attachment style or the phrase of, I want to get close to my partner, but I keep pulling back. ABDL's higher and anxious attachment styles indicate more frequent use of various baby items, increased engagement in sexual behavior while in a fatherly role playing with baby toys during ABDL activities and a higher likelihood that various baby items, baby clothing, and baby toys sexually arousing. I'm very impressed with your note-taking skills. <laughs> okay, so actually this is... um. That that there may be something there. This is just one time somebody studied this once. So I who knows if it's replicable. Just like my data set, like it's like we just collected data once. We don't know if it'll replicate. But and that's what real science is: is if you see it multiple times over multiple studies. But Zamboni, that one guy who did all the ABDL affirming research, did include questions about attachment style in the survey of two thousand ish people that he did. Uh, back in 2014. And that's what he found, that these insecure attachment styles were somewhat related to certain aspects of ABDL behavior. And the other one I just want to bring up, because you brought up both avoidant attachment style or the phrase of, I get frustrated if a romantic partner are not available when I need them. Uh, High levels. What what did you say? Uh, I I know I fall into that. You fall into that? A higher level of avoidant? A higher level of avoided attachment is associated with more frequent involvement in ABDL behavior, increased emphasis in the significance of diapers, sexual excitement within the context of ABDL behavior. The reason I bring it up is because I feel like, and maybe this is just like me in my 30s and just trying to figure out like, okay, the more I understand about life and all that, like it helps me process it more. But I almost feel like, could there an argument be made that 
if there is more research done with ABDLs, their attachment styles, their relationship styles, then ABDLs can look at this and kind of go, oh, I can understand it more, right? Like it's all in that pursuit of, the reason I bring it up is I feel like it's all in that pursuit of understanding ourselves because Absolutely. If, if all you're getting, if all you if all you have is Twitter and porn to understand yourself, I feel like that is really, could be really dangerous. I agree a thousand percent. And I also want to say that it's so, this is another plug for why it's so important that we have lived experience researchers doing this research, people who understand the community and who do not pathologize it and do not like project all their fears about being known and whatever, they have to be very comfortable with the subject matter to interpret the data in a way that celebrates it in the way that it ought to be celebrated rather than make, relegating it to some kind of bizarre activity that only creeps and weirdos do. You know what I mean? It, I think it's really important that to, to, to get to that headspace where we're, we're just this is a process of learning about who we are and learning how to be better us. Uh, we have to shed some of the fears and paranoias and negative self images and other people have to stop doing that to us too. And you kind of already brought up in this conversation how there isn't a whole lot of research. So one thing, one thing that you ended on your presentation on was your hopes for future research other than ABDLs researching ABDLs, but a, a look into sexual versus soothing. Why do you think that's so important for, for there to be a magnifying glass kind of like, hmm, let me look into this? I only put a magnifying on glass. My, I only call attention to that because I think that, you know, the, that's the subject that is preoccupying researchers today who are doing some kind of study of this subject. That is their why. They are asking why we do what we do. And instead of asking why do we engage in this behavior developmentally, like nobody's asking anymore, how did you get this way when you were a child? They're just asking, why would you put diapers on today or tomorrow or next week? What is the motivation? And they're saying, well, it's got to be sexual motivated, sexually motivated, or if it's not sexually motivated, it's soothing, it's safe and secure. Uh, and that's why they do it. You know, that's why we do it. But um, I, I, I would like to move past that question even. I think that's a, another form of asking why. Maybe the better question to ask is, you know, what is the upshot of doing this? Like, so we relieve stress, but over time, is are we more resilient? Are we more adaptable to our society and to our lives? And, you know, are we better in relationship contexts because we do this? You know, th those I think are better questions to ask. Yeah. And as, as you were saying all that, I was kind of thinking the more research we have both to understand ourselves, but also kind of going back to the point we made in the beginning, it changes the narrative. It changes mm -hmm. the narrative. So when people call ABDLs freaks or calls ABDLs a disorder, even if even even if they're, you know, it's scientifically now proven that it's not a disorder, right? The more research a hidden community has mm -hmm. helps out in the long term. I mean, think about how many 
a perfect example that I can think of off the top of my head. How many how many times have we read like news articles that mention ABDL and there's almost like some kind of legality, like right, like they write it in such a way that there's like a legality, like oh, this person's ABDL, there must be something wrong. Mm -hmm. But if there's research done, then people can make the argument of like, no, no, like we we've studied this. This isn't this isn't some weird thing. We're like we're looking at yeah. this. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm hopeful, and I'll tell you why. I think I see tons of evidence to suggest that people are celebrating this experience, this community, this identity, big time in a way that they haven't in the past. Like just this proliferation of events in major cities, and like the activity going on around it is very, very promising. The only thing is that I think we hold ourselves back when we don't share that those like accomplishments with other people why are we not celebrating these things in a more public way like marching like gay pride parade or something i don't know like people are too protective of their 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 persona and and, and i think that that still holds us back all i'm gonna say is i think i think people like you who do research and help dispel and help change the narrative of AB deals. I think that I think that's a small step into mm -hmm. others feeling comfortable enough to be like, okay, I'll share more, right? I, I'll I'll share more if I, if I feel like this might help change the narrative, which mm -hmm. kind of brings me to my last question cuz you mm -hmm. I thought it was fascinating. I never thought of this. It's it's a question that's been brought up a lot is why do we need a better term than ABDL to describe ourselves? We're more than just adult babies and people who love diapers. There's something about it that is functional and positive. I want to figure out, if, if I were to come up with a new term, I would want to figure out like what is the actual thing that we're doing. It's not just that we're regressing to babyhood and wearing diapers. I mean, there's something relational. If we're talking about like relationships and, and building intimacy, what is the, the what is the effect of that regressive act and humiliation or whatever you want to call it that results in heightened closeness? What is that that's safe? Because cats do this too. You know, cats when they're in um a very good state of mind, you know, you, they're feeling good about you, they like you, they're purring and they're kneading and they're kneading because that's like at the, the mother's teeth, they're like regressing mm -hmm. back to childhood behavior. This is not like a novel concept, the regression, but like what is the upshot of that kind of regressive behavior and what does it say about the positive climate of the relationship or, or the person who's doing it, like, or who's helped facilitating it? I think that's really where the, the language should go. Not about babies and people wanting to be babies. Because it's, it's more than that. You kind of, I only asked this because you brought up cats. Is there an equivalence <laughs> that we could look at for inspiration? Is, the, is there like another community that, that has a sure. term that, that better describes them that we could look at and be like oh we we need a term like that because that's kind of yeah. like what we're doing but it's not kind of we need our own term but we're kind of like that is there something like that well we used to call ourselves homophiles and then homosexuals and then we were gay oh i see 
Yeah. Is gay the right term? No, I'm joking. What's that? I was going to say, is gay even the right term? Yeah, gay means happy. I mean, you know, I mean, how can you fuck around with people who self-describe as happy? You know, like, all right, good. All right, so ABDL needs a term that Oh, I see it. Yeah, gay. Positive. Instead of instead of homosexual, it turned to gay, and that was and that was a step in the right direction. ABDL needs needs a well. Didn't we kind of get that right? What did that? Because wasn't ABDL paraphrase? I can never but say. Mentalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went from that term to ABDL. Didn't did you're saying we need to go further? We need to step in the even further right direction. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I what is the functional I, I really couldn't even speculate. I don't know enough about it. <laughs> I don't know enough about the subject or this experience. And I'm not I'm not inexperienced at all, but I just do not feel comfortable coming up with a term for that. That would have to take like a whole lifetime of thought. Yeah. And it's hard too, because it kind of goes into, there's so many different flavors of us, right? Like yes. immediately yeah. I thought of, that's right. We're the squishy community, but that oh, doesn't, but that doesn't work because like, for example, not all daddies like to wear diapers. So you, yeah. you know, oh, that yeah. term does right. Like there's doms and subs that are gay, but they just call themselves gay. And so, so how do you think of a term that encapsulates the sexuals and not sexuals, the bigs yeah. and the littles and the middles and those that wear diapers and don't wear diapers? Squishy is a term? Is that like a real thing? No, I just thought of it right now. Oh, I love it, though. That's so cute. Well, thank you, Dr. Ethan, for coming to Newsy's Nook and and furthering the research on ABDL, on the ABDL community. And at least for me, helping me, giving me a tool to just better understand this ABDL experience. Make sure to check out the Capcom schedule for the date, time, and location of Dr. Ethan's presentation. All right, kiddos, are you packed and ready for Capcom? Have you already started scheduling playdates with friends? Before we go, I just want to highlight how you can get your grabby hands on some ABDL products while at Cap. I know Tigables has a pickup at Capcom option on their website. And if you want to check out some of Wawash's scents, you can find those at the AB Dealer booth. And Onesie Down Under will have something exclusive at My Inner Baby. Also, make sure to check your emails for the latest Capcom announcements. All right, kiddos, this episode was brought to you by My ABDL Supplies, the Sydney-based age play company giving Newsy Nook listeners 5% off your next order when you use promo code NewsyBaby. Check out My ABDL Supplies, your one-stop ABDL shop. All right, kiddos, I gotta go pack. See ya. Bye. Thank <music> you.